so this morning we're going to be starting a new major section. Um, the 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 person and work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, this is going to take us a little while to get through. Um, even if, like I say, like there's so many things I don't want to miss out on any particular thing, and and I didn't want to. Um, like limit this to one class or or a handful of classes. So we're just going to kind of take our time with this. Um, this this is going to be a, a fun one. I hope um, some of the some of the things that are kind of on my on my notes for wh- what I want to cover today. In particular, we're going to look um, at the virgin birth. We're going to look at Christ uh, having a, a human body, a human mind, human spirit, and emotions. Um, and then, if time permits, and we get there, we're going to reflect on what it what it means when we look at passages like Matthew uh, chapter thirteen fifty three uh, through fifty eight. There, where we see that when they look at Jesus and they consider this man that they've known. For thirty something years, that they're like, that they're not like, oh yeah, clearly he was God this whole time. But they're like, isn't this Mary's boy, right? Like, how is he doing this? Um, so, so like when when I reflect on that, I think what a what a normal life Jesus lived, right? Like that that the people around him, like like did it. Did it? Yeah, I mean that's. It, ain't, 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 wouldn't his dad a carpenter somewhere around here? Like that's the response that you get. Not like, oh, see, it makes sense now. Like that was. Yes, you know, like have mercy. Like now I get it, right? Like that's a like when I consider that, I think Jesus was was very normal, regular guy living a regular life. Um, and, and what we know as a fact about this is that in no way did he ever once fail to glorify God in living that ordinary, regular life, right? Um, so, like that should that should be one of those things as, as we kind of reflect on that that encourages us. Um, I think a lot of times, like we think that we have to be doing like superhero type Christian work for our lives to be God glorifying. Um, and when we see the large portion of Jesus' life was lived like in an in an ordinary way, so much so that when he steps onto the scene in his final years prior to the cross, that people are like, "What's going on here with this guy that we know?" Right. Um, so uh, hopefully that'll be an encourager to us as we go about our normal lives, because most of our lives aren't going to look super extraordinary. They're going to look pretty normal, and and I want us to. To uh, to not think that we can't glorify God and lift His name up and Him be satisfied with our normal lives. Like you don't you don't have to look like you know a superhero um, for God to be um, pleased with the life that you live. Uh, so we're going to start. Let's look. Let's let's and we've got several places in the text that we're going to be going. This morning, um, let's start in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 15. So just kind of to get this started, um, I want us to look kind of at the first promises of this Messiah to come. Um, so shortly after the fall, as God is kind of uh, laying out the way that the world is going to be post-sin's entrance 
uh, into humanity. Um, we see him drop this promise that I'm not certain at the time that they read too much into it, but now reflecting back, um, the church has seen great promise in this, and uh, we see this is kind of the first the first time that God makes clear the work or that God makes known the work that He's beginning and that He will ultimately finish. So, um, Genesis chapter three verse fifteen. Uh, God says, I will put enmity, or enmity, <laughs> I should have had more caffeine this morning, enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He says, he shall bruise your head, speaking to Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. So this is kind of first promises that are put out um, a couple of things to note here. Um, there's lots of ways that he could have addressed this. He could have said their offspring. Um, but he's specifically speaking um, to the woman's offspring here. We see throughout the Old Testament this promise starting to get get more details laid up around it. Ultimately, we, we know this kind of to be the promise of uh, Christ coming through uh, the virgin birth. If we look at... Uh, a couple of things that I, that I want us to consider, like virgin birth, like we think about the importance of the virgin birth. What 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 is why why virgin birth? Like why would it come like that? I want to ask y'all that. Like why virgin birth versus some other type of? But then there's a possibility of like it's not as convincing if she's not. Okay, so if it was just like if I just came onto the scene and I'm like, hey, I'm God, right? Anybody could say it. Right, so Psalm fifty-one. Go in, go into that a little bit for us. Original sin. Yes. It's the only way to avoid. So, and this is this is something that like like really we got there quickly. So that's that's good. But I want us to think about this. Like, what specifically around original sin does the virgin birth? Like what is it bias, right? So we've we've talked about we're just coming out of like like the doctrine of man and our fall and where we find our nature, right? From birth we're what sinful, right? From birth we're sinful. So if from birth we're sinful, what does a virgin birth bias in in Christ? We're conceived in iniquity, so our natures are 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 sinful, right? Like it is your nature to sin. You sinning doesn't make you a sinner. You sin because you're a sinner, right? Like it, you do what you do because that's the nature of who you are. So when we build out this doctrine of the importance of the virgin birth, part of that is that that this is a this this. Christ's nature is not as our nature, right? And it and it can be cle- it can be clearly seen that if Christ came in the way that Scripture says that He came, that though He's like us in many ways, there's some pretty dramatic ways that He's not, right? Like from the very start, He's not like us in the sense that we both, all of us, have a human father, human mother, right? Christ had 
heavenly father. He was conceived by the Spirit, but he has a human mother. So as I work, as I work this out, right? Because one of the things that we that we that I get like like because it's pretty quick. Like anybody that reads and studies this, you're gonna you're gonna get to like the the original sin problem pretty quick when we when you start considering the virgin birth. But here's one of the things that like I struggle with is like. His mom was just as sinful as his dad, right? Like, what what does being born of a virgin, how does that give you the escape clause from the nature of humanity, right? Because he was clearly human enough to, to take our place, correct? But God enough because of virgin birth, like, what is, what is it by us, Right? When we think about this, like what is what is the what is the thing there? And this is so I, I pose the question like that because as I consider, there's a couple of things that that Scripture points us to. Um, let's look at Luke chapter one um, specifically. We've got I've got two places that I want us to kind of uh, examine here. So Luke chapter one, what does what does Scripture say when speaking to um, Christ's conception, Christ's birth? Um, Here's so Luke chapter one verse thirty-five, and that so verse thirty-four, we'll, we'll start there. And Mary said to the angel, "So this is when the news is kind of getting broke to her. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Right? So virgin birth." And the angel answered her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called what?" Holy. So one thing that I like, like as I'm considering, like, like how does this nature come about? And I find myself in in many places very confused because if 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 I'm if I'm pressing any one of you as 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 a non-believer on this topic, I feel like it would not take me long. Ninety-nine percent of churchgoers to press hard enough that you find yourself being like, I don't know exactly how it works. Right, like I, I really don't know there. But here's the here's the point that I want to get to with this particular text is that one thing that we know that Scripture says about this is that because of the way that God did it, it could be said of Him that He will be called holy. Right? None of you from the womb were holy. Right? Conceived in iniquity, like you're born with a bend, a bent towards sinfulness. You sin from the very moment that you're given the option, right? But something different that Scripture specifically says about Christ here, like as this promise is being given to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, so because of the way that God chose to work this out, therefore the child to be born will be called holy. So here's what, I don't know all of the answers to the whys and the how it works itself out, but the one thing that Scripture makes very clear is that that the working out here means that this Savior to come starts holy, starts different than any of us, right? Oh, see, this is good. Yes. 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 See. 
this is so this is so good. And this is where so the next passage of text that I want us to look at. So as I can as I consider it, and I consider like this happening, like you know that the origin is something peculiar when it starts like this. She's like, I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a baby? And he's like, Don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to come overshadow you. This child's going to be called holy. And then I want us to look John chapter uh, eight real quick over to John chapter 8 so as I consider this and I consider what's happening like the I think the whole purpose of doing it like this because God could have done it in other ways right like he could have made his nature just like the nature like he could have done exactly the same except he comes down from heaven at 30 some odd years old fully like the whole thing still work right like it still be like he could still sacrifice himself for us. The whole thing still work. God could have done it in other in other ways. Like I think he wanted to show something peculiar about the work that he was going to do. So John eight uh, verse fifty eight. I don't know if I told y'all that. Um, eight fifty eight. This is a this is a particular. Verse that I that I that I like. No, there's a lot of context that you would need just to go back through this. But Jesus speaking says something pretty interesting that I think, like for me, like drives home the point of the different, the different. So um, this is the guy that's like, hey, this is Jesus. This is the carpenter's son. This is Mary's kid, right? Like, and this same Jesus says to them, truly I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Right. So like. The, the virgin birth and the uniqueness of this particular way that God chose to do it highlights the, the differences between Him and us while also showing us that He is one of us, right? He was, he was born human, though He existed before all humanity, right? Like, and, and it's, it's a confusing state of events period, but made the purpose and point made clear through the working that we see go on in this thing that's very, very difficult for us to explain. Like, you're not, if you were, if you, you're, there's, I've heard people go in, into great detail on different things, trying to explain virgin birth, need for virgin birth, and all of this stuff, and Every every explanation of it that I that I hear, I'm like, you're not doing justice to it. You're really you're really like you're not explaining it completely. Like this is one of those this is one of those events in history that there is no equal to. Right, God becoming man should be confusing to us. How could that happen? Right, because it is a confusing thing to think that God would become part of the creation that He kicked off, that He existed prior to it. Right, like the and 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 I think that the uniqueness of the virgin birth highlights the uniqueness of what God was going to do. And it highlights the unity of Scripture. Like Scripture begins in the Old Testament, like Genesis one, the Spirit was hovering over the waters, like. And then you see like this perfection and this glory, and then sin breaks it, and then God enters into the picture instead of checking out of the picture. Yeah. I mean, He does. God is so holy and fundamentally different from us. Like you see it a lot of the cross, but when and so it's no different when the Holy Spirit is present. In that, 
like if I come in contact with something unclean, it makes me unclean. Yeah. When Christ comes in contact with the unclean, it makes them clean. And like the same with the Holy Spirit. Like the reason Scripture can call us holy, which blows my mind maybe more than virgin birth because I know me. Yeah. Is only because His presence came upon me. It was not because of me. And like I know how sinful out the gate I have been and am and will be. And like when I when I see Scripture, like and it doesn't end there. Like in the same passage where you see like Isaiah seven fourteen or like Luke one or Matthew one, like out the gate, this idea that the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, like an actual human, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's this mind blowing. It's immense, right? Like like it's beyond understanding. We can know it to be true without fully comprehending the depths of it. And where even. does Revelation end? Yeah. You know, it's like we're there but not yet. Yeah. Even. And like we're longing for this day where this is reality again. God with us. Like in the midst of us. And, and like that's where the book ends. So it closes middle end in this unified scarlet thread with, with Christ at the center of it all. Like, where God... And man, the the God who is man is glorified and his name's lifted above above all other names. Right? Like and it and it starts in no small way. It starts miraculously where the one who before Abraham was can say, I am, comes and is made like us. Now here's the thing that I want us to get. Like like he could die, right? We're we're going to kind of push there because ultimately he does. But like he's as a baby, just as every one of us were born and and we could have been crushed very easily from the beginning. Right? So too his life was fragile, right? Like no different than us. Like he experienced life as we experience life, right? And that's so from the beginning, there was miraculous and different. There was a part of it that every single one of us have experienced, right? The fragility of life, the growing from from birth to who you are now, the experiences that you've had along the way, Christ experienced life as you experience life. What a beautiful picture of God's sovereignty and His absolute determination to work yeah. out His plan. Because Jesus was fragile. Yeah. Like, what if Mary's milk doesn't come in? Right? You know what I mean? Like, yes. There's so many things yes. that mothers experience or babies experience or children. I mean, you know, he's out running around, like, jumping off rocks. You know, like, he's a kid. You know, food poisoning, like, unsafe drinking water, like, all of these things that could have been a possibility for him. And quite possibly, like, here's the thing that I want us to get, because if you are, if you live in the, in the 
in the time that Christ lived and walked the earth, you don't have like like it would be odd. People would be like, "Oh, that's the kid that never got sick, that never got hurt, that like right like that, like rocks would fall on his feet and he was like, "Hey, good to go." Like the reality is, is for him to be for him to be 30 years old and them to see him as very much normal, then all the life experiences that you are familiar with, he is familiar with, right? Yes. <laughs> but his bones still break, right? Like he still skins his knee if he falls, right? So like he may react to situations differently than we, but that doesn't mean he experienced those situations in ways that we are unfamiliar with, right? This is this is the this is one of those things that him coming in the way that he did we will glorify him as much for what he did the the clarity that his life showed us the difference between who he is and who we were right because the same life experiences that caused us to go towards sin caused him and his nature and who he was to live righteously in those moments. He was different in his nature and character than us. Right? In such a way that he experienced the he experienced life in a very common way that you that you and I experience it except in every place where you fall short he did not. In every place that you acted out in sin he did not. In every place that you fell short he did not, right? From the very beginning of his life to the very end of his life every experience that he had he glorified God in it and through it whether it was mundane experiences of everyday work life he was 30 something years old right working as a carpenter working when he had interactions with people do you think that every interaction they were like man loving the work Jesus you really did a good job there do you think like every one of us that sometimes he would do the work that he was supposed to do and he would do it perfectly and somebody would be like I think it's a little crooked up there (laughs) and then his reaction in that was better than our reactions would be in that right like he experiences those that life is the life that he experienced that he knew like he he faced disappointment scripture says he's a man of sorrow right and that's not just the last couple of years right like we're talking about we're talking about when we see Jesus when we look at his picture in scripture we see that somewhere along the way we get no more speaking of his father right like you, like early in his life, you see it. What happened? Did his father die? Right? Like what happens to him? We experience loss. Quite possibly, Jesus in many ways experienced the same kind of losses that we experience. Right? So that we have an advocate that's not unfamiliar with the trials and tribulations and struggles that we face. Right? That knows our experience. Like this, this is an important part about him becoming human, uh, taking on flesh. So let's look um, at Luke chapter two. We're gonna, I'm gonna go through a couple real quick here. So as, as Jesus is, he's born of a virgin. He's born human. Um, he's, he's like us in that he is taken on 
uh, the the form of us. He's taken on flesh. Uh, Luke chapter two. <clears throat> Verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. So, so we get the, the, the birth here. He's, he's a baby like, like normal baby. He didn't come out clothed right? like he needed to be taken care of. He ate, he slept, he cried, right? Like he is a baby like if you've, if you've had children, he was much like your child except without the nature that would one day cause each and every one of our children uh, to act out in sinfulness. Right? Like he was not he was not like that, which probably made his brothers and sisters jealous along the way because Jesus always did what was right and and they undoubtedly did not, right? So like when Jesus does come on the scene and he's like, uh, hey guys, I am the great I am, his brothers and sisters is like <sighs> see, see, you know that Jesus that never did anything wrong, now he's done gone off the deep end and he thinks he's God now. <laughs> but if there was anybody that had dirt on him, that after his death would have let the, the that dirt spill out. Oh yeah, well you should have seen him when he was 13 and he stole mom and dad's donkey, right? Like and he went out on the town like the brothers were, and the brothers and sisters were rat on you like that. But what happens instead is these people who were like, oh he's got a God complex now, right? Like the Jesus who could never fail, now he's got a God complex. When he dies and the resurrection happens... None of them are like, no, the resurrection didn't happen because I remember that sin that he would have stayed in the grave for because we're family and we grew up together. No, they become believers, right? Yes, yes. So it's like now it makes sense. You had to die and come back, and then it's like maybe it wasn't a God complex, maybe it was God, right? But now I believe it because you came back from the dead. But the whole like life that he lived before them before that did not negate those events, right? Like it only further supported that. Um, so born normal, uh, needed to be taken care of, needed to be swaddled, needed. needed um, he was not born in, in a palace, right? So like um, the life that he lived, he was literally there was no place else for them to go. Um, he's being laid in, in a manger. Pretty lowly way of entering in for such a miraculous event, for that miraculous event not to happen in the highest places, on the highest hills, to be shouted from the highest rooftops, but instead to happen um, in a lowly place um, with very little fanfare. Um, that's, that's, something to, that's something to be noted there as well. Um, if we go down to verse 40, the same chapter. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So when he was born, like for him to grow, to grow and to become strong means what? That his flesh prior to becoming strong was what? Weak. This is what happens with all of us. We go from the point that it's like, if I were to slip and fall off the edge of the bed onto the hardwood, there's great risk of my demise as a newborn to like, I'll roll off, which you, it eventually does come full circle. You sleep wrong and your shoulder's all jacked up, right? But like there's a point that we were like, we're strong now. I could fall off the bed and I'd be good. <laughs> I, I see Dustin back there like, no, man. 
<laughs> See, that was earlier, though. In your 20s, you would have fell off the bed and you would have been just... <laughs> You're at the point that it's like you've made it to the peak and now you're on, you're on the plateau. Listen, you're on the plateau. So, so he, he grows in strength and he's filled with wisdom. What does that mean? Like we're gonna, I, there's gonna be a we're gonna come back to this uh, this thought um, in in a little bit. But it says that he grew in wisdom. What does this mean? He learned. Right? Speaking all the languages. Yeah. It's like he, right? Like, he came out and he learned. Like, his process of growing as a child was normal. Scripture doesn't... I mean, there's some places where it's like, okay, it gets to the point that he's, he's grown enough that he knows his purpose now. We get like glimpses of that. And he was fairly young there, which what that what that means is that his parents were likely um from a very young age, like, hey man, you you come from a special place, like like you were you were not conceived as normal children are conceived, you are God. Like here's the here's the word, get in it. And he, he was able to read and to study and to learn and to understand, right? So like um his parents did not neglect the this um, so from a very early age he is aware right um, but this is this is he wasn't like some savant playing the piano at like two um, because he had special giftings in that regard like he worked like any other it said what happens if we work without the like if if your nature was such that you could work and strive and learn without the hindrances of sin you do better right you do better. So, of course, he's going to do better because he doesn't have all the, the same hindrances that, that pull us so where our attentions are divided in a million different ways and we can't find focus and we can't find purpose and we can't find direction like he knew and had focus, had purpose, had direction and spent his time well where much of our time we, we tend to, to waste. So... But still, he worked. Like, he worked. His brain worked like our brains work. You learn by what? Doing. Right? You put effort in. And results come from that effort. Right? So, same thing. Jesus grew, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Go down to verse 52. Again here, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So, uh, what do we find here? Again, same chapter here, just kind of rolling out this idea that Jesus is growing. He's growing physically, he's growing mentally, he's growing emotionally. Like, all of these things. Like, there's some very interesting places in Scripture we're going to... We may not get to today. Um, We may, but... Probably not. Um, Well, we see Jesus even grew in obedience. What does that mean? What does it mean that he grew in obedience? Same way, like as my children grow, I put more responsibility on them as they grow. What happens most of the time when we do that for children like us? We rebel against responsibility, right? We rebel against that. 
But he grew in obedience. So as more responsibility was placed on him, he rose to the occasion, carried that responsibility. He was responsible, right? But he grew in this. He learned it. That's some. Yes, it doesn't mean that he was disobedient. Yes, yes. But in the same way that like I can't give my two-year-old car keys, right? Like you couldn't give Jesus car keys or, you know, the reins to the donkey at two, right? Why? Because he's not ready for it. Because he hasn't grown in stature and wisdom to the point to where that responsibility makes sense for him. What does that mean? That he was, again, pointing to the fact that he's normal, Right? He's not, he's not this super normal type of human experience to where it's like he's two and now he's doing all the things that grown-ups do. Right? Like he grew. He experienced life. The whole point of this is that he experienced life like we experience life. Right? He, like, there's no event that happened. The, the driving point that I want to get as, as we kind of dig into this is that I want us to realize that one day we will stand and speak with Jesus and there will be no experience, no experience that any human being has ever experienced that Jesus will not have first-hand experience of. Right? None. Right? And there's some pretty extremes out there. Right? Especially when we think of the, the wet, like, some of the extremes to like, where people have been abused, or people like, like these like, but it's like, think about ultimately on the cross. Like, who won ups sinlessness taking the place of sin as far as the robbing of one's innocence, right? Like, he's experienced every aspect of human life. Such that we'll have conversations with him in heaven and he will know exactly what we're talking about. First hand. First hand. Right? Like there's no experience that we will have that will be foreign to him. We have an advocate in heaven who knows the life, the trials, the struggles that we experience. First hand. Right? Like this is, this is um, something that I think that's important for us um, to, to wrap our minds around. So he has a body that wearied. I'm not going to read all of these. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the verses if you want to write them down. But he had a, a body that became wearied. John chapter 4, verse 6, if you want to look at that particular place. Um, he had a body that became both thirsty and hungry. For thirsty, you could go to John chapter 19, verse 28. For hungry, you could go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. So his body worked like our bodies work. If he went without water, he would be dehydrated, right? Like he could not say, I'm going to indefinitely not eat or drink, or what would happen? He would die. When he's, when he's being tempted in the wilderness, like he grows hungry, faint, weak, the same as you would if you went that long without. Had he continued that, had that fast not ended, what would have happened? His body would die, right? Just like if you go without water or food, your body will die. His body worked like our bodies <clears throat> worked. He would get weak. Um, he would get thirsty. He would get hungry. Um, and he could ultimately die. Let's look at this. Luke <clears throat> chapter 23. Now, he couldn't stay dead, right? 
he couldn't stay dead. It was, it was not possible um, for him to stay dead because of the nature that he displayed through the life that he lived. Um, death had no ultimate hold on him. So, uh, Luke chapter 23, we're going to look in verse 46. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So ultimately, he had a body like ours to the point that his body could die. And it did. He sacrificed that body for us. Now we know that his spirit remained, right? His spirit remained. He says here, in your hands. I commit my spirit. And then we ultimately know um, that he was raised from the dead. Luke chapter 24. Flip there to verse 39. So this is Jesus after the resurrection. And he says, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Like, as I consider this, right? So, like, Jesus is born miraculous, lives what would, what would be considered a normal life, an ordinary life, so much so that the people who knew him were like, how's he now speaking so boldly about these things, right? He would die, he would be raised, and then he would show comfort to those around him by saying, see my hands and my feet, it's I, myself. Like in the resurrection, he is. there's continuity between all of these events that have, that have taken place. Him being the I am before Abraham was. Him coming, taking on human nature, living life. Perfectly, holy in everything from the spectacular to the mundane and ordinary. Him dying and being raised. It's still the same Jesus every step of the way. He makes clear here. See my hands, my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. Right? What is it? For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus, after the resurrection, had what? Flesh and bones. Now, we know that, he's, that, that, that there's something again in this resurrection that's different, but there's very much similarities, right? Because he's like, touch me, see. He goes on. Um, if we go down to verse 42, again, and I've made mention of this in sermons that, that I've preached in the past, because this is one of those things that, that jumps out at me. There's lots of things that could have been said, that could have been told about the, the things that Jesus could have done after the resurrection. The details that we get are what? They seem ordinary, right? Like, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Like, there's a lot of, like, like words are important and you've only got a limited space that you can write and put things into a book that you're going to pass on. But they thought it important enough to note that Jesus said, hey, I got hands, feet, I'm not, right? I got the flesh and bones going for me. And they thought it important enough to, to, to write down that they gave him fish and took it and he took it and ate it. 
Right? What's this? Why would Scripture want to make a point of this? You know the experience. You know the life that you have now. And it's, it's something that you cling and hold to. Right? Like no one wants to die. Right? No one wants to die. Because what's next seems unknown and foreign to us. And that unknown is, is frightening. Right? So much so that, that if we had no hope in what was after, then we would consider all those who've gone before us lost, never to see again. But Jesus is like, I'm flesh. Like, like I came in the form of man. I was raised in the form of man. I'm eating fish before you. The same body that Jesus had then, when, when you lay hands on Him, He'll have that body. When you lay hands on Him, right? When you reach out with the body that He's given you. Because ultimately, our hope is not in like a spiritual existence that's unfamiliar to us. It's in an, in, it's in an existence that's very familiar to you. It will look very much like the life that you live now, minus the sin that you live. If you could watch Jesus' life, it will look like that. The hope that you have in the resurrection is a life that looks like the life that Jesus had prior. Right? All the day-to-day things that He did. He glorified God in those things. Right? Like we think that in heaven, and this is, the, this is why like it grounds me personally when I consider this, because we think that in heaven we must like that it's not that we're not going to be holy and worshiping God in the fullest if we're not in this like church type ceremony and the only thing that we're doing is like chanting and singing songs the whole day but Christ lived perfectly and holy his entire life and everyone who looked at it it was an ordinary man right the life that we hope for in the resurrection is a life with Christ embodied in a body that He's given, that He will give to us in the resurrection. Like the resurrection hope is something tangible. And I think understanding and and kind of considering that Christ took on flesh and that He will for eternity be flesh and bone. Right? Like, like, y'all get that that's not heresy when I say that? Like that when He said, I'm flesh and bone, that He's still flesh and bone. Right? That the hope that we have is, is a hope of Flesh and bone minus, right? Like, so Jesus grew, and then just like all of us, we grow in strength, and then our strength starts to fade, right? When Jesus was raised, he was raised in a body that strength never fades, right? Like, that's what the hope that we have is that the ailments that we have will be gone, right? Like, we will have a body free from the shackles of the, of the, the sin that, and the punishment for the sin that we have, um, and all of this is grounded um, in Christ becoming man, um, being raised. We're gonna we're gonna pick up next week. There's a couple of more places that we did not get to. I want us to dig a little bit more into um, him having a human mind like us, and human emotions like us, like we see. Um, we see this throughout Scripture as well, so we'll we'll jump back in um, on that next week. Um, let's close out in prayer.